Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Stuff I Heard podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Peake, and uh, I've been having some technical difficulties this Christmas. I have recorded a full podcast and lost it because there was no audio. Why was there no audio? That is the fun part. See, I had somebody recently ride with me, and they were discussing, how do I get started doing a podcast? And I tell them, I said, well, the way I started was I found an app on my phone. It was from Anchor. Uh, A-N-C-H-O-R, and I followed the steps, and I recorded from my phone, and I uploaded from my phone, and it was super simple, and it was like that for a while until I got a phone call, and I got a phone call right in the middle of me recording, and then all of my audio files were just gone, like it just disappeared, and I was like, oh no, what do I do? So I tried it again and again. I've tried to do the thing on my phone where I hit the mute button so that when people called, it didn't go through. And that kind of worked, but not really, because then I would still get phone calls that would come through, and it would interrupt the phone call, interrupt the podcast, and I couldn't do anything. And so I eventually said, I'm going to do something with a soundboard. And I've done that. I am on my second soundboard now, and over the course of the however many years this has been since I've been doing it, this is episode number 440, so it's been a while. Um, I now have a soundboard that works pretty good. Now, here's the tricky part, is recently, um, I couldn't leave well enough alone. I wanted to have some speakers in here so that once in a while, I could play music over these speakers and just kind of have a studio feel. And I thought, yeah, this will be the trick. I'll run it through the soundboard since I've already got everything else running through the soundboard, and it'll be cool. It's good in theory. Here's the part that messes it up. Somewhere along the way, I clicked a button that allowed the input and output to change so as I was recording a podcast and thought I'd done the full story, uh, I had no audio because <laughs> one of the things that I selected for audio input was uh, not selected for this microphone. So there's that fun jazz. I hope everybody's doing well. This is Christmas, Christmas Day, and I hope everybody is having a great Christmas and that you've uh, been safe on your journeys visiting family and friends and I hope that everybody's doing well. Um, I know that Christmas is just another day for a lot of people. And they go, yeah, yeah, still I got to work and blah, blah, blah. And, and if that's you, I'm sorry you have to work today. Um, luckily, I have the day off. Now, this is stuff I heard. So let me tell you about some stuff I heard. Um, I've kind of gone the gamut here of looking for something during the holidays. I was looking for something a little bit different, uh, something a little bit upbeat. And I saw this advertised on Netflix. It's called The Bank of Dave. Now, the rundown on the scenario on Google says a successful British van salesman decided to open up a bank that issues uh, local money funds for local enterprises. However, he soon finds that an uphill battle as he tries to convince the elite uh, London banking financial authorities to grant him a new banking license. Supposedly in this story, um, in London, they haven't granted uh, a license for a new bank in over 150 years. And some of that is due to the fact that uh, the banking institution over there believes that they know better than anybody else, and they don't want anybody else to then suddenly have access to money because there is some security in being able to only limit those who handle money to certain people. Now, where the flaw is, is where they've made mistakes and ended up costing people their life savings or more. Um, there was a financial crisis that happened, uh, and 
during that time, the banks were still telling everybody, no, 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 we know what's best for you and your money. We'll handle it. Meanwhile, they made misdirections and they lost, you know, a ton of money for a lot of people. So this guy, Dave, uh, his name is Dave Fishwick. He lives in Burnley. Um, He decided that he wanted to help out the people in his local community because his little van business was doing really well. And so he started lending people money. And over the course of seven years, he realized that he'd lent out over a million pounds. And with that money that he lent out, everybody who he lent money to paid him back. And they also paid him back with interest, not because he asked for it, but because they just wanted to pay him back for being nice and giving them an opportunity where the local banks, the big banks, wouldn't give them loans. So before long, he realized, oh, not only have I been able to lend out a million pounds, but I've also been able to help create 150 jobs due to the fact that people needed loans to start small businesses. So he wanted to do more. And to do more, he needed to officially become a bank. That way he could sign official notices and take deposits and that sort of thing. And I Googled this because it's a great story. Like he really wanted to help people in his community. He wanted it to be a nonprofit too. He said that he wanted to share the profits with local charities. And so he went on on this course and he told this lawyer that he hired, um, I know that they're going to tell me no. And I don't care. Um, I just want to try. I want them to eventually come back to me and tell me that they know what's better for my money because I don't know what to do with money. And they failed us. And I want them to say publicly, no, 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 we know what's best for your money because we make smart decisions, even though everybody knows it's a lie. So he set out on this path to make the official Bank of Dave. And I Googled it. It says, um, does the Bank of Dave actually exist? And it says, officially, it does not exist. The Bank of Dave is actually called the Burnley Loans and Savings, B-S-A-L. It's not actually a bank. Dave is still trying to get the company approved as a bank, but currently uh, it exists as a savings and loans company, which is fine. Um, It's still doing the thing he wanted it to do. Uh, It says here, how much interest does the Bank of Dave charge? It says pensioners earn 5% of their money. Uh, better than any best buy deal on offer from any high-end street banks, while small business borrowers pay 8.9 to 14.9% a year interest, less than any other bank would charge them in conventional banks. On all property, all profits go to charity. So he's still doing the thing, right? So in the movie, they show where they're trying to raise money to officially become a bank, and they get Def Leppard to come and play a benefit concert. Uh, so... As I'm looking up information on Google, it says, did Def Leppard actually help the Bank of Dave? And it says, so in reality, Def Leppard's fundraising concert never actually happened. It was written into the film simply because Fishwick is a big fan of the band in real life. Um, The funds for the BSAL were never actually raised. The lending company is still in the process of getting its bank finances. So it still doesn't have its banking license. Um, It hasn't raised enough money yet. Uh, But... It's, a, it's still a feel-good story. Everybody this past week have asked me for, hey, I'm looking for something to watch, something that's kind of a feel-good story, me and the family. I'm recommending everybody check out Bank of Dave. It's on Netflix. It's a lot of fun. Check it out. You'll enjoy it. All right? Then I was looking for something a little bit different, and this had been advertised quite a bit, uh, Gran Turismo. Gran Turismo is a video game that you play on PlayStation. It is a basically a racing simulator. The guy who created the game had a true love for racing and he wanted to get the game as detailed as possible so that it could be a actual race simulator. And he achieved that 
And this is based on the true story. It's based on a true story. It's not the actual story, but it's based on a true story. Um, the rundown here says, uh, the true story of an unlikely underdog, a working class gamer, a former race car driver, and an idealistic motorsports executive who risk it all to take on the most elite sport in the world. And this was done in conjunction with Nissan and with Sony PlayStation. Um, they basically opened up an opportunity for some of the top simulator racing game uh, people in the world to then actually become GT racers, Gran Turismo racers. And <clears throat> the movie kind of sets it up as though this kid is the first one to do it, where in reality, if you Google about it, it shows that he wasn't the first. It's just one of the examples. Um, the character's name is Jan Mardenborough. Um, he's a teenager, and he uh, really, really loves racing games, really loves this racing game in particular. Uh, Orlando Bloom plays this uh, executive guy who has this idea in the movie of, hey, let's let's get these sim racers and actually make them race car drivers. I bet we could do it. And he sort of gets people to take a chance. He gets Nissan to take a chance, and he gets Sony to take a chance, and and it pays off. Um, <laughs> the uh, the actor who plays this character, uh, Jan Maddenborough, is amazing. Um, he looks a lot like the real-life guy, and apparently the real-life guy did become a professional racer. He's raced over 200 races, and he's placed, and he's done well, and, and he actually did the stunts, uh, some of the stunt driving in this movie as himself, uh, basically. But um, fantastic story. This, the special effects are amazing. The rundown of the physics of the car is amazing. The, the acting is amazing. I didn't expect this to be as good as it was. Um, I was blown away by Gran Turismo. Now, the rundown on this shows that it's like two hours and 42 minutes long. No, that's the trailer. Excuse me. The movie is, where is it? Two hours and 15 minutes long. This movie goes by at such a pace that it feels like it's a half hour movie. And it's it's two and it's two hours and fifteen minutes. It's fun. It's a good time. Um, the characters are believable. It's it's it doesn't get ahead of itself. It doesn't say, oh no, this guy immediately became the best. No, no, no. He struggled quite a lot. Um, but there is an element of the special effects of this where it shows him driving the race car, and at a certain point, they do this 3D blow-up of the vehicle where it shows all the pieces and parts moving in different directions, and he visualizes himself in his bedroom playing on his race simulator, and it's beautiful the way they did it. Um, if you're looking for something fun, something family, um, something to do with racing or video games or both, this is cool. This is really cool. Uh, Gran Turismo. Check it out. It's on Netflix. All right. Then I watched uh, Trevor Noah. He has a new comedy special. Um, it was called Where Where Was I? And he talks about traveling around the world, specifically uh, Germany, London, France, uh, here in America, that sort of thing. Um, Trevor Noah is a hilarious stand-up. This is probably his best stand-up special. He does a very funny thing at the end. With the uh, Sweet Caroline Neil Diamond song, which I thought was hilarious. Um, so yeah, if you're looking for some good comedy, check out uh, Trevor Noah, also on Netflix. And I'd seen something advertised that was supposed to be this epic type movie from Zack Snyder. 
Uh, it's been advertised for quite a while. It's called Rebel Moon, and it's on Netflix. Um, stars a lot of people that you're going to recognize. Anthony Hopkins lends his voice to a character. Uh, Charlie Hunan, uh, Hunam, 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 H-U-N-N-A-M. Uh, he was in Sons of Anarchy. You'll know him right away when you see him. Um, this was supposed to be Zack Snyder's version of what he wanted to create in a Star Wars type universe. Um, here's the thing. It, it looks beautiful. The special effects, the fighting, it has a lot of setup for things that could be really cool. Um, what it doesn't do is it doesn't make you care about any of the characters. And that's the one area that it, that it, that it sort of drops the ball. Um, this is part one. They have part two apparently coming out in April. I don't know when part three is. Um, but here's the rundown of what the show is supposed to be about. Uh, on Google, it says, when a colony on the edge of the galaxy finds itself threatened by the armies of a tyrannical regent, Balasiris, the they dispatch a young woman with a mysterious past to seek out warriors from neighboring planets to help them take a stand. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, so <clears throat> just glancing at this on Google, uh, Rotten Tomatoes gives it a 23%, and IMDb gives it a 5.8 out of 10. And I have to agree with IMDb. If I were going to rate this out of 10 rating, I would also give it a 5.8. Um, it's a lot of good things and just fails on making you care about anybody. Um, I think that when part two and three come out, you're going to see more of the characters and you're going to care more about who's what's going on and what's happening. And I'm going to, I actually, I'll be honest, I'm going to give this a second viewing. Um, the first movie is two hours and 14 minutes. Unlike Gran Turismo, this feels like two hours and 14 minutes. Uh, the pacing is, is okay, but the, um, Again, the story fails for you to care about anybody, really. Um, the Visually, the special effects are amazing. The fight scenes are amazing. It's very well choreographed. Um, some of the character setup is good, but they just, don't, they just don't take enough time to write the story part. And that's the part that's missing in this. So, listen, everybody's going to be talking about Rebel Moon. I looked on their Facebook page. I couldn't find one negative comment. Um, from the people writing about it, everyone who writes on the Facebook page loves it and talks about it. it's the best thing ever. And they can't believe how much it's like this movie and that movie all culminated into one. And maybe I'm just not getting it. Maybe I'm, I don't know, looking at this, at, at the rating Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb, uh, I'm siding with him. So, but anyway, it could, it can get better. There's a lot of setup for it to get better. Uh, and I'm hoping that it does because uh, I like Zack Snyder and I like his creative mind and he's definitely convinced a lot of people to be part of this. Anthony Hopkins character that he is voicing um, could turn into be something really, really cool. So I'm just waiting to see that happen. Um, yeah. So the last thing I want to talk about for Christmas, because everybody's in the Christmas spirit, right? Uh, I watched the Barbie movie on HBO Max. <laughs> Now I know everybody's like, oh, the Barbie movie? Yeah, the Barbie movie. I grew up playing with Barbies. I had sisters, okay? I had a stepsister uh, from my dad's side, and then 
Later on, I had a stepsister from my mom's side, and I played Barbies with them because that's the only way you could get them to play G.I. Joe with you. Uh, I'll play Barbies, but we're going to play G.I. Joe too, okay? So a little bit of back and forth, give and take. That's what life's all about, right? And I got to say, I enjoyed the Barbie movie. Um, <laughs> the rundown of this says Barbie and Ken are having the time of their lives in their colorful, seemingly perfect world of Barbie land. However, when they get the chance to go to the real world, they soon discover the joys and perils of living amongst humans. Oh, no. Um, this movie made a ton of money. Uh, the budget for it says 128 to $145 million, kind of their estimates. Uh, it made $1.442 billion. That's with a B, billion. Um, now, I got to say... Margot Robbie plays the perfect Barbie. Um, Ryan Gosling's character is Ken. I could have done without. Um, the story is not, in my opinion, for kids. This story is for adults, the adults who played with Barbie when they were growing up. I don't think kids today now play with Barbies like, like my generation or the generation before me. Um, they do pay homage to the lady Ruth who created Barbie. It was supposed to be a doll for her daughter named Barbara. Um, and they explain that story and they do a really good job of having her um, sort of take a, a bow. And the movie is very grown up. The movie is very, at part, sad and retrospective of the fact that it realizes, Mattel realizes and everybody who plays with Barbie realizes that it doesn't fit the natural norm of what they think that Barbie is at times or what it is supposed to perceive. There is the notion that, Oh, we made Barbie an astronaut and a congresswoman and all this other stuff to show girls that they could also do this thing through a toy. But in a way it sort of shoots itself in the foot because they have a lot of iterations of Barbie that has unrealistic goals and unrealistic abilities and unrealistic physical attributes and, they're open to talk about all of it in a way that is very, very grown up. Um, I could see how mothers would take their daughters to this movie because they want them to hear that verbiage, to hear that conversation happen where, yes, none of this is perfect and we're all trying the best we can and we all fall short and we all just are doing our best. And on that, I think that Barbie nailed it. So... There's a lot of goofiness in the middle with Ken and doing some song and dance stuff. And I get it. You had to move things along because as Barbie was created, they did come up with Ken. And there was the idea of, is Ken supposed to be with Barbie or is it Ken and there's also Barbie? And they addressed that as well. Um, but there's a lot of cringeworthy stuff with Ken uh, in it. So uh, Ryan Gosling did a good job of playing Ken and so did all the other Kens. And so did all the other Barbies. But <laughs> but it, there's parts of it that are so silly and stupid. And then there's other parts that are so smart and so over the top and so well done. Um, I can see why it made $1.4 billion. So um, they hit a nerve with the public. They addressed a lot of the issues that Barbie has as well as uh, giving a nod to Weird Barbie, which I love. She got played with too much. Uh, <laughs> they show a version of that in Toy Story and they 
sort of took a nod to that in this with her uh with a star painted on her eye and her haircut and her doing the splits all the time. Um yeah. So I loved it. Anyway. That's it. I did a much longer podcast earlier and I, I apologize, but I don't have it in me to do another long podcast. Um this is a little bit shorter, but this is the revised version with actual sound. So <laughs> So Merry Christmas to everybody. I hope everybody's doing well. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy whatever. Happy Festivus. Um, I'm celebrating Christmas, so Merry Christmas. And I hope you're doing well. And y'all take care. Thanks for listening. Please remember, rate, review, subscribe, share this with your friends. And as always, cue the cow. Cue the cow. Move, baby.